1: Now for our story. It was a little after nine o'clock at night. A few miles down the road past Aunt Mary's farm, a car was parked on one side of the highway. In it were two young people, Aunt Mary's niece, Peggy Douglas, and Sergeant Bill Mead, two very serious young people who, for the last few minutes, had been sitting there not saying anything, knowing that there wasn't much more to say and yet both desirous of prolonging this moment of being together.
0: Well, I guess we'd better get going. Yeah. You've got to get home. Yeah. It seems so funny. I mean, to think of your going home when. Oh,
2: yeah, I know. Hey, look, uh, you don't have to take me into town. I can walk. Or maybe I'd even get another ride.
0: Of course I'll take you. Unless you'd rather.
2: Oh no. No, I, I mean, thought it was getting late maybe your aunt would worry about you. Hey, don't you want me to drive?
0: No, that's all right.
2: Okay. Oh, it looks as if the rain's slackening up. Mm hmm. Bill? Yeah?
0: When is Kit leaving?
2: I don't know for sure. Soon as she can now, I guess.
0: Is she going to San Francisco?
2: No, Los Angeles.
0: Oh. How long does she plan to be gone?
2: Uh, Several months, I believe.
0: That's a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it is.
0: And kids traveled around so much of her life, I suppose it's become sort of a habit with her. I mean, to go places. And... Yeah, I suppose so. But somehow I have a feeling that her leaving ties up with everything in some way.
2: I can't talk about that.
0: Yes, I know. I'm on forbidden ground, aren't I? Oh,
2: well, it's not forbidden. I don't want it this way, Peggy. It's only that I... Look, you've done a very wonderful thing tonight. I mean, coming after me the way you did. All the things you said. But...
0: But what, Bill?
2: Well, are you sure you know what you're doing?
0: Yes. Why do you ask me?
2: Because I know what you're letting yourself in for. And I can't help but feel that it isn't fair to you.
0: Maybe not, but at this point, that has nothing to do with it. You asked me to believe in you, trust you, and to wait. That's what I'm going to do.
2: It may be a long wait.
0: I understand that. You told me you couldn't make any promises about the future. That's right. I expect the wise, sensible thing for me to do would be to put you out of my mind. But I can't do that. I can't be wise and sensible where what you're concerned. I have to hope and... Well, it has to be like this. If it's what you want.
2: Oh, you know it's what I want. You've no idea how much I need your hope and understanding at this time. Only, I also know that I'm being very selfish.
0: I don't believe I quite know what you mean
2: course you don't. And Peggy, if I could only tell you.
0: I wish you could.
2: But it just isn't right that you should bear the brunt of all this. You're the one who's always done everything to try to save us. When I think of that letter you wrote me from Chicago.
0: Oh, why well, talk about that, Bill? You didn't get
2: it. Yeah, I know. Kit's thought of that. Peggy, if we can just come through this.
0: Don't you think we will?
2: Well, yes.
0: You don't sound very convinced.
2: It's just that I know all that lies ahead. Oh, I see.
0: That's your bungalow, isn't it? Yeah. When will I see you, Bill?
2: I don't know. I'll phone you you're sure you think it's all right? I mean, our seeing each other?
0: Well, there isn't anything wrong in it, is there? If we're going to think about each other, why shouldn't we be together occasionally?
2: Well, it's just that I hate to put you in the position of... well, of sneaking around in corners and that sort of thing.
0: I wish you hadn't said that. It makes it sound so cheap.
2: Oh, I didn't mean to. Bill, I...
0: you've asked certain things of me, and I'm willing to accept this whole situation on your own terms. Then you make me feel that perhaps you'd rather... Don't say it. Well, all right, I won't.
2: I've got to go, Peggy.
0: Good night, Bill. Peggy. Yes? Yeah?
2: Thanks, Boop. Oh, no, that's a stupid thing to say. But you know what I'm trying to say. Yes, dear. Well, good night.
0: Good night.
1: Sergeant Bill Meade watched Aunt Mary's truck drive on. But he wasn't the only one. For sitting in her parked car, Jesse Ward, Ben Calvert's secretary, had observed its arrival and departure. Jesse's expression was one of secret satisfaction as she watched Bill turn and go up the walk to his house.
3: Oh, hello, Bill.
2: Sorry to be so late.
3: I was wondering what had happened to you. Did you get caught by the storm?
2: Oh, yeah.
3: You didn't get very wet.
2: I got a ride in.
3: I thought I heard a car pull up a little while ago.
2: Um, is there anything to eat?
3: There's some soup. You can probably find some stuff for sandwiches.
2: Well, I'll fix myself something a little later on. Didn't you have dinner?
3: I wasn't very hungry.
2: But you shouldn't go without food, Kit.
3: Oh, Bill, don't be so solicitous. It has a very phony note.
2: But it isn't phony.
3: I think it is. The role of the anxious father is a little out of place in the setup, don't you think? I mean, after all, let's not pretend we're happy about all this.
2: All right, Kit. Are you packing already?
3: I thought I might as well start.
2: Was that all you're taking, that one suitcase?
3: (laughs) You and Jessie.
2: Huh?
3: Yes. Jessie came by this evening, ostensibly to bring me my ticket. She's very curious as to why I'm taking this trip. You know, sometimes I think Dad underrates her. She's not dumb.
1: Oh, she
2: couldn't possibly have any idea.
3: No, I suppose not. But she kept talking about how odd it was I wasn't taking more clothes. I had an insane desire for a moment to tell her that I wasn't taking more things because soon I wouldn't be able to get into them. It would almost have been worth it to see the expression on her face. To see her struggle between sheer delight and false sympathy.
2: you shouldn't say that.
3: Well, she knows about my mother's family. She knows what my chances are. Oh, well. You want me to fix you something to eat, Bill?
2: No, don't bother now. Is this your ticket?
3: Yeah.
2: Hmm. I see you have a room at. That's good.
3: Well, it's a little cramped, but better than a chair car or a day coach.
2: Oh, you're really lucky to get any kind of space.
3: Yeah. I'm lucky, all right.
2: Well, then, you'll be leaving at the end of this week.
3: That's what it says. Oh, Bill, I don't know if I can face it alone.
2: I wish you didn't have to.
3: Well, I do. That's that. I, I certainly can't have the baby here.
2: Well, you could. And
3: have all Wakefield know that Oh no, Bill. Now I have to go.
2: Are you afraid, Kit?
3: Possibly a little. But it isn't so much that. It's it's the waiting. The month to be gone through. And for what?
2: Well, I wish you wouldn't think this way. You keep talking about what your chances are. Well, you should know that there's every chance in the world that the baby will be fine and well. And then you'll think how silly you were worrying.
3: Yes. Yes, I would, wouldn't I? You're quite right, Bill. I could think how silly I was to worry about anything. Strange, isn't it? How much can depend on the life of one small human being?
1: I wonder what you mean by that last remark, Kit. It would seem that an idea was beginning to form in your mind. An idea as to the future over which you've been so concerned of late. Ever since your husband told you how he still felt about Peggy Douglas. But I wonder if even you, Kit, have any idea of how many fates hang in the balance of how many lives will be determined by the birth of your child.